Hi, I'm Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Shams. And I'm Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. I'm a blur with a love of artwork and comics and animation. And I'm a writer and blurred with a love for pretty much the same things. We grew up together and spent formative years watching and talking about DC superhero shows and content. In fact, we still do. Every episode, we will discuss a DC production, compare it to its original source material, and share our thoughts on the adaptation. We've enjoyed our conversations these past couple of decades, and we think you will too. This season, we're getting whelmed for DC's greatest sidekicks and covering every episode of Young Justice on... Yeah, another DC animated podcast, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Welcome to yet another episode of yet another DC animated podcast. My name is Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Shams. And I am Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. Andrew and I have known each other since 1996. That was the year principal photography started for a movie centered around aliens that were secretly hiding among us. Okay, this is crazy. Now, I, I thought of three different, like, IPs that this connect to. Oh, is it Men in Black? It is Men in Black. <laughs> finally and we look good in this suit yes (laughs) we are the best of the best of the best (laughs) the next podcast episode will be how many lines from men in black can i actually quote (laughs) (laughs) uh but yeah we are talking about aliens in disguise because today we are jumping into season two of young justice with the new subtitle, Invasion. Oh, yes. And wh- what an invasion it is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we are starting off with, um, you know, we left off in our last season. Quick recap. Uh, team was formed. Superboy was aggro. Miss Martian got hit on by Wally at least 15 times. But Robin was the only one to succeed with Zatanna. Um, also, we found out that there is a mole on the team. And it was a clone of uh, Roy Harper. And the Justice League got kidnapped, and six of them were gone for, like, 16 hours, which apparently we'll find out more about in this season um, because we are expanding the universe with the these first three episodes, Happy New Year, Earthlings, and Alienated. Um, you know, I'm kind of mad that we didn't go, but I guess because of last season, it was Independence Day. It would have been great to have Independence Day, <laughs> Earthlings, and Alienated. <laughs> However, because of this new um, theme of the show of alien invasions and being able to traverse different worlds, uh, we're going to go with the episode title for this one, Out of This World. Mm. Yes, very appropriate. Very. All right. So we are also dealing with a bit of a time jump here. So even though it is technically as we left off in the last season, January 1st, we were back on January 1st, but this time five years later with uh, some changes to our team here. Um, most of our characters do return, uh, but we do have now that Jesse McCartney is no longer Robin as he has gotten his own unofficial promotion to Nightwing. Robin will now be played by Tim Drake, who in real life is actually voiced by someone who has done many Robin voiceover jobs over several DC game projects. Uh, he's also the voice behind Periwinkle from the Blue's Clues show, as well as Jin Akutsu in both animes of Prince of Tennis and New Prince of Tennis, Cameron Bowen. 
This man's cardio is amazing. Word. <laughs> <laughs> Just for periwinkle alone. <laughs> uh, next up, we got G. Gordon Goffrey, who is being voiced by Tim Curry, who's putting on a really great impersonation of Tucker Carlson here. Um, but we do have Tim Curry's famous from shows such as The Wild Thornberries, um, as well as the first It movie and the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah, that was like as soon as that there's no mistake yeah. in Tim Curry. Oh, no, <laughs> that's no, that's Nigel Thornberry right there. <laughs> uh, next up, we have another newcomer to the team as we have Eric Lopez, who joins the cast as Jaime Reyes, a.k.a. Blue Beetle. Shout out to Blue Beetle. Got that fire, fire trailer that came out live action being played by Jolomar. Oh, let me. I'm going to butcher this name. So <laughs> I apologize in advance. Jolo Marduena. I uh, hope I got that right. If not, he could come after me and I will respectfully lose because he knows Cobra Kai. Uh, <laughs> and you also may have heard Eric Lopez's voice, though, since 2020, because he is the voice of Bumblebee Man on The Simpsons. Bumblebee Man? Yes, the newer voice, the newer voice. There was a, I don't remember who played the older voice, but as of 2020, he's been the voice of Bumblebee Man, according to IMDb. What, how many superheroes are you allowed to play? Because I, I think that's too many. <laughs> Next up, we got Adam Strange is being played by Michael Trucco. Uh, Lobo, who is played by David Sobolov. Uh, we also have a couple of newcomers here. Um, Jacqueline um, Arbordors is Alana with her father, Sardaf, being voiced by the late William Morgan Shepard, who voiced Radar in Gargoyles, Lawrence Limburger in both iterations of Biker Mice from Mars, Astaroth in the animated Mighty Duck series. And he's also the person who played Captain Witwicky in the Michael Bay Transformers movie. Well, that's who I care about most. Captain <laughs> Witwicky. The Explorer. Forget Columbus. Forget Magellan. Mm-hmm. I only believe in Witwicky. <laughs> uh, our last two, we have some big ones here as we have Atlas Katara enters the DC Universe as Mae Whitman voices Cassie Sandsmark, a.k.a. Wonder Girl. And this is prior to her voicing Batgirl in DC Superhero Girls, the other animated show. And speaking of Batgirl, we have Dancer Extraordinaire, who has been wowing us since performing in Missy Elliott videos. Allison Stoner is Batgirl. There she is again. I can just every time I hear about Allison Stoner, I think of that meme where they edited it out and it's just her shoes squeaking. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. That's all I can think of. Oh, all right, because it's time to squeak on over then to the beginning of these shows. So let's say the tube over to the beginning of Happy New Year. Yeah, so right away, we have uh, one of Batman's biggest rogues, Clayface. And he is right at home. He's in the sewers. Reminded me a little bit of Spider-Man 3 with Sandman in the sewers a little bit. Um, And Clayface is getting in work. He is nearly smothering Superboy. But luckily, Superboy has some backup in form of McGann and uh, other people that aren't his regular team. <laughs> yeah, we got an upgrade on the. Uh, well, I don't know if we could call it an upgrade yet quite yet. It's still two minutes into two seconds into this new season. Um, but we do have that uh, the new Robin, Tim Drake, is here. Uh, we see that a crocodile comes out. So much like that alligator that got lost in Prospect Park not too long ago here in New York. Um, but it actually turns out to be Beast Boy, who is a new member of the team. And then we also have another new member with Blue Beetle, who enters the scene. Fortunately, though, um, 
none of them were needed as Miss Martian quickly takes down Chloe Face with um, Superboy throwing what's like a I want to say it's like a quick concrete capsule at him. Um, whatever that was, it looked painful as hell. Oh, yeah. Because that thing like exploded out of his body. Is is that legal? Does that violate the Geneva Convention? Because it looked like it did. Look, I mean, like they say, Batman won't kill you, but he will leave you in the emergency room. And I'm pretty sure this is a Batman technology production. <laughs> it's non-lethal, so I guess it counts. <laughs> it's okay. It didn't kill him. <laughs> so as they subdue Clayface, um, we kind of see that Beast Boy is now taking on the, the role of the souvenir kid of the mission. Um, and this is where the team reports back to the base where Nightwing now tells them that they can now return back to the cave to get ready for their next mission where um, everybody's entering the uh, the cave now, the same team, as we get the chance to meet some more new people such as Lagoon Boy. One of the biggest things that we see here is that Lagoon Boy goes right up to McGann and kisses her while Superboy walks away. So sometime within this five-year jump, our, you know, our number one couple broke up. Yeah, this is more devastating than Will Arnett and Amy Poehler. I thought they were endgame. I thought they were these two funniest people in the world. But I guess they their relationship was no laughing matter. Oh, no, you did it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Sorry, guys. I'm sorry, Will Arnett. <laughs> the, the Lego Batman's going to come after us, man. <laughs> but um, so this big change also shows us some more big changes as we see some more new members, such as Bumblebee, who was also part of the team that was taking down Clayface, as well as Mal. So these are two characters that we actually met back when um, the team first went to school. Uh, so Mal clearly is gunning for most Jack character in the game because honestly, this, the shirt, look, the, the long sleeve shirt looked like it was from Baby Gap. I'm just going to say it as it is. <laughs> look, when Superboy is on the team, you got to do whatever you can <laughs> to stay in the game. <laughs> but, uh, so the, the new mission at hand is that Captain Adam, who, for a quick spoiler, is apparently the new leader of the Justice League. Um, he contacts the League to let them know that the United Nations is under attack. So in another scene from reminding scene from back in the day, back during the uh, Targets episode from our insider trading, General Sang is being chased by this very another contender for our most Jack character of this week, Lobo. Yeah, this guy is... First of all, he's extremely offensive. I don't know what the word keezy femme Oh, means, word. I was ready to throw hands. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fighting words in, in every part of Brooklyn. Because um, he's just ca- calling everybody a keezy femme. And Wonder Girl and Bad Girl are on the receiving end of it the most because they are trying to fight off Lobo, which I give credit to both because mm. this is not a good matchup for them. And even though Batgirl does this incredibly slick move where she distracts Lobo and plants two bombs on him, it just ultimately isn't enough to stop him from going after his target, which is a UN agent. And he rips this guy apart. And right when I was about to call Shamar and say, yo, PG-13, um, <laughs> it is revealed that the man was a robot and he was actually being piloted by an alien who had stolen the identity of a UN agent, and now oh. Lobo has taken the alien out. 
damn it this is exactly like men in black oh yeah this is straight up men in black the same scene oh same gosh, energy. the aliens almost even look the same yeah <laughs> not to say all aliens look the same yeah exactly <laughs> oh man but um so this is shocking to both bat and wonder girl here who um are trying to figure out how is it that there was this random little alien inside who someone that they were trying to protect um unfortunately though tucker i mean g gordon godfrey once again <laughs> got the footage to share that uh aliens are on earth uh this is honestly this is the most the most fox news production i've ever seen in my life yeah i and you know he's it 100% is. He's throwing out all these stats about, like, there's only two good aliens. Mm-hmm. I think his count is severely off uh, <laughs> by saying it's just Martian Manhunter and Superman. But I did like how he said, I think Icon might be aliens. I'm like, yeah, yeah, bro. Yeah. <laughs> um, So after this new devastating news report slamming the League, we cut to the League where we get Jon Stewart leading a brief, which always love to see some Jon Stewart Green Lantern around there. Mm-hmm. And we also get some uh, updates. Again, they don't know what happened to the 16 hours from last season, that they didn't have any memory. But they did gain a new member in the form of Adam Strange, who we know from which which obscure movie was this? <laughs> that was from uh, Green Lantern, Beware My Power, which also introduced Jon Stewart into the uh, DC Rebirth or Tomorrowverse um, animated productions. And it's kind of cool, um, the fact that Adam Strange is here because my man is like definitely so nonchalant about this Justice League scenario. He looks, he's, it feels like he's just so unprepared for his presentation at times. <laughs> when he's, uh, the, he does have information because he's a Zeta Beam expert, and this is a sense where you're starting to see some kind of rift between Superboy and Miss Martian because. Instead of explaining it, because he's unprepared, as you mentioned, she just links their minds. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yo, is that like looking at your search history without asking? Mm-hmm. Like, I was thinking about that. Because, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, she didn't really ask. She just kind of did it. Yeah. And um, so we do learn how he came across the whole Zeta Beam situation. Um, so he was he's. Of course, another Star Lab scientist getting caught up in stuff, and he shares that he while he was at, while while he was working on his own Zeta Beam um, technology expertise, uh, he accidentally got teleported to Ran, uh, which again we know of this from our. Uh, if you don't know much about Ran, just stop right here, head on back to the uh, Green Lantern Beware My Power thing. I'm gonna skip right over this. He has teleported Sardaf. He and Sardaf meet. They're both working on Zeta 2 technology. However, Sardaf is a bit more advanced. Um, but he shares that there's been a bit of a language problem, given the fact that the um, the two of them don't speak the same language, because, of course, different planets. Uh, Strange also shares that he can't have any of the Justice League members come with him because, for some reason, they're all, like, hated throughout the galaxy. And it's because of something that happened while they're in space some time ago. And this is where Nightwing picks up on the fact that, like, okay, this must be where the 16 hours, what was happening during those 16 hours. So they all agree that it is best that a small part of the team, 
um, head on over with Adam Strange to Ran while the rest of them deal with what's going on with all the easy unrest dealing with the um the fact that um well one that these there's aliens and Crotolans in on Earth and how people are feeling about that. Yeah, and this is a fun brief because now Nightwing's completely in charge, mm-hmm. and now he is sending teams of of heroes on a mission. And I do like that uh, they also mentioned that Nightwing, McGann, and Superboy chose not to become full time leaguers. Yeah. That's a great, great little detail. Um, so, as one of these teams, as they split up into teams, we get that Dick lets Tim Drake lead a team. Uh, that includes Lagoon Boy. Yeah. I, I'm going to try not to call him Lagoon Boy. Um, Lagoon <laughs> Boy <laughs> and Blue Beetle. So they're told, you have one job. Go look at the base where the aliens are at and don't take any unnecessary risks. And they're like, cool, cool, cool. So they go there and immediately take unnecessary risks <laughs> because once they find that the Zeta 2 is underwater, they decide to break in from the base under there. Uh, Lagoon Lagoon Boy, it's already happening. Lagoon Boy <laughs> uses bulk up and it's super effective on the door. He's able to get inside the base. And while they're reporting covertly, all the aliens see them, every single one. <laughs> so now it's a fight to get out of the base while the other teams are on route. I just love the fact that the aliens basically have like all state shield level home security. Because as soon as they entered, the camera was already on the three of them. <laughs> every nanny cam Word. in the tri-state area was focused on them full on sending their images up to the cloud it was ridiculous it is uh it, clearly they knew what they were doing so um this leads to the three of them trying to save themselves uh but at the same time this is where blue beetle realizes that he can actually understand a little bit of what the aliens are saying the proletarians are saying um so this is where he does pick up that they say to leave the um uh he said like cannon father or, or like the chess pawns or whatever and when blue beetle says this this is where robin realizes that the pawns or the cannon father are actually the people who were abducted that they came to go and find so they head on down uh, Blue Beetle grabs one of the Crotalians and they use that as an opportunity to one, interrogate, and two, uh, once again, Lagoon Boy uses bulk up to break through the cages as we see so many people are finally set free, including our favorite character, Bibbo. Yeah, and I also do love when they run out of the cage, they're scared of the alien looking oh, people yeah. on the team, but everybody loves Robin. I'm like, what has Robin ever, what has Tim Drake ever gotten this amount of love? I don't think I've ever seen it. Um, Even Batman doesn't love Tim Drake this much. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> uh, but they get the people out right as the base explodes, and all of the Justice League shows up, like every single God. member, immediately after. Um, and, and upon seeing the ruined base and everything, Nightwing immediately praises Tim for his uh, out, like going above and beyond Mm -hmm. um, because it had a good result. And this episode ends with the knowledge that Superboy, McGann, and Beast Boy are off to an alien planet to follow up more on the episode Earthlings. 
Yeah, so here um, we opened up with the three of them joined by um, Adam Strange. And this is where Adam is leading them through kind of like a little bit of a forest kind of the area. But they eventually get into the science location. <laughs> the science, lo- I mean, it was like the science center. I mean, <laughs> the science center run by Sardath. Um, and this is where they first meet Alana, who is somebody that... Um, Adam Strange has been working with, who also happens to be the daughter of Sardath. So it's clear that, once again, uh, Adam Strange, being from Earth, does not understand Rainian. Uh, so Miss Martian, she psychically links them in a way, which is really cool, um, where they're, whenever one person speaks, the other person will understand it in their preferred language. Um at first, we do see, once again, we do see that Superboy's a little bit upset about that because, once again, she kind of didn't really ask if that was okay. Um, but it was clearly okay with Olana because she immediately uses it as a chance to shoot her shot. Yeah, uh, this this is one of the thirstiest aliens I've ever oh, seen. word. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> she is clearly af- after some strange. And... Um... <laughs> Andrew, we are a PG thirteen show. <laughs> Just his name. I don't know what you mean. <laughs> She's making lines at him. Uh, they we get more about her father Zardath, who is apparently not like the other people on his planet. He does see the value of Earth, but recognizes that things are not good. Things don't look good on his planet, and he wants to. Basically, he's just come up with a way to keep. Zeta tubes open on Earth, but also prevent them, anyone else from boom Zeta tubing in. Um, it's a great piece of technology that should have had from the, the start. Mm-hmm. Um, and but in order to before they get this, they still need to get more information about the uh, Quilterians on the planet. Um, so they decide to go out into the field to follow up. And I also do like a little quick beat when they say, "Oh." They don't like Earth things around here. And Superboy goes, I'm I'm not an Earthling. And I'm I'm half Kryptonian. And Miss Martian's from Mars. And a guy Sardath goes, but you're from Earth, right? And it's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like when those like when rappers try to pretend they're from somewhere hard, and it's oh, like, yeah. I'm from California. You 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 grew up in Hollywood, though. So <laughs> You know, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, he's like on the, the mean streets of Bel Air. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was hard. It was hard up there. <laughs> the butler wasn't always available. Um, <laughs> but here, uh, from here, they go on. Uh, after Beast Boy cleverly camouflaged into an alien creature, they head out on a train. And while on this train, once again, Alana is throwing it hard. Um because and it's clear that they're picking up a little bit on the rest of the team is picking up a little bit on this. So and the one person who's picking on it, picking up on it the most is Beast Boy, who tries to use this as an opportunity to help bridge the gap between Superboy and Miss Martian. Um, it is clear that he <laughs> prefers this matchup over McGann and Lagan. Um, so he takes this moment to try to remind uh martian about the fact when oh remember that time when superboy brought you flowers but they turned out to be poison um she thought it was cute superboy did not um because at this moment this is where the 
science command from Ran, uh, who are apparently very xenophobic by nature. That is wild to say. I'm just sorry. Very wild yeah, yeah. to say you're xenophobic by race by nature. Um, <laughs> so this is when they enter, and apparently they need to have identification papers. Wow, this is getting scary and scary by the moment. Um, <laughs> so Adam Strange realizes that the only way to, in order to save the um, Beast Boy, Super uh, Superboy, and Miss Martian is to quote the poem uh, "Beware the Jabberwocky" by Lewis Carroll, which apparently is the inspiration through of in, through the Looking Glass. Hence, the reason why he continued on in his distraction by saying, "I'm late, I'm late, I'm late." Yeah, that not my first go to idea of distraction. I think I would quote yeah. like Shaggy's It Wasn't Me if I had to, <laughs> to. What would you do for distraction if you needed to quote something from memory? <laughs> oh, I mean, you definitely have to sing um, Sweet Caroline. I feel like that's the ultimate way to distract anybody. <laughs> <laughs> what are these riffs? What is he doing? How many O's are in this song? <laughs> So uh, everyone think about that in the future. Your mm-hmm. your your uh, distraction song, it may come up, may save your life. <laughs> um, so after Sh- Sh- Strange distracts, um, Beast Boy once again tries to break the ice between exes, but it's just not working. Something has gone on between the two that we off screen that we just don't know about yet. Um, Beast Boy also almost eats himself into the afterlife by jumping <laughs> into a fire pond essentially yeah um luckily alana stops him and now the real uh mission starts when they find the base they're looking for and miss martian infiltrates with her variety of powers <laughs> uh so this is where they find the curlton base and they notice the zeta platforms because the thing that they figured out back in when they were first setting up the mission was that Adam Strange shared that the Crotanians are are thieves. Like he thought it was the um the Iranian word for thief, but realized that the Crotanians, much to Sardaf's displeasure of the fact that it took so long to do charades with with this guy, um, he shares that they have stolen some Zeta technology. And at this time, when they are getting ready to plant explosives, Superboy, Miss Martian, and Beast Boy, they're planting different explosives all around. Um, this is where we learn, we actually come right back into the same time as our earlier episode where um, when the base that was on Earth was being destroyed, the Crolitaeans started to Zeta beam off of off of Earth and they were immediately flying back into, into Rand, Rand right now. Yeah, I love that cool little detail of those episodes happening like just right on top of each other. Mm-hmm. It, it it really adds like momentum to the whole season. And now that they're back, they're kind of uh, worried about their plan to get destroy the space, but they don't really have time to think about it because the bombs that were planted explode. Credit to Beast Boy for tanking an explosion to the face while yes. he was a monkey. <laughs> yeah. Jesus, man. This guy, your building level at least. Um, so wait, does this mean that Beast Boy gets our most Jack character? <laughs> I think he deserves it. <laughs> that that was just crazy. He was like two inches tall and he took that explosion to the face. Um, but the general who was on Earth absolutely cannot stand for Earthlings interfering again. So he sends some mechs after the team. Um, this kind of 
this um, leads the team to have to split up for a while. So Superboy and Alana, it goes back to the opening scene of the episode where Superboy and Alana were in trouble. Um, we see how that started and they go off on one side, McGann and Beast Boy go off on their own. And now we're getting a little bit more insight into what created the divide between Miss Martian and Superboy because he mentions that he doesn't visibly age on the outside. Internally, he'll wither up and die. Um, so I guess this is like a Benjamin neutral. It's not like a Benjamin Button situation. <laughs> <laughs> like This is kind of the ideal Benjamin Button, I think. You yeah, I mean? <laughs> Benjamin Neutral. I love that. <laughs> uh, yeah, and it's um, and for he also mentions that for Miss Martian, she can easily change her appearance to suit whatever she needs. Um, but that was one of the many things that kind of like caused their split. He does kind of allude to something about her changing, um, and. You know, from context clues and from a viewer's standpoint, we kind of see it. No, he notices it. We notice it a lot whenever she uses her psychic abilities, um, especially when it seems like she's doing so without permission. Um, so Alana does serve as this ear for him during this time. Like, it's very crazy that we're having this in-depth conversation while you know being chased down by mechs and aliens from an another alien world so uh, this is what i do appreciate about this show where they take that moment to take that little beat to just even to just say like hey we have a, a moment to just talk through something that's happening internally with our character even though it's all going to heck around us externally i was gonna say speaking of that while beast boy and mcgann are off talking to each other beast boy stops suddenly at a river mm -hmm. and he sees and uh, McGann kind of hacks his brain a little bit to see what he's seeing. And he is apparently reliving a car crash that Queen Bee caused that killed his mother. I I am mixed on this because I do love that Queen Bee did not uh, leave them alone. Like mm -hmm. she got back her revenge. But I really would have loved to see that go down in like a more active flashback because mm -hmm. she was such a huge deal, especially to McGann. Um and, you know, they've been calling each other adopted brother and sister. Right. Um, so this is one of the things, even if it had been kind of like drawn and like drawn with some voiceover and stills, it would have been I, I would have liked to see this on screen because mm -hmm. uh, it does. Uh, it also made me question, does this happen? To everybody of water that Beast Boy looks at or <laughs> just just this one? <laughs> he goes to the lake. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's a kiddie pool. Oh no. <laughs> I'm worried about you, boy. <laughs> um, but yeah, so she does McGann does take this moment to console him. Um, you know, to remind him that, you know, one, she's there for him now, but two, they're also not in a very safe place. So they need to he needs to push that to the side real quick. Uh, unfortunately though, this is where she uh they get attacked by one of the mechs. And it sneaks up and actually hits McGann, causing her to knock out. Uh, Beast Boy is doing his best to fight off the, me the mechs. Um, but at the same time, we see how it affects the rest of the team. Because once again, McGann set up this psychic link to them so they'd be able to understand each other. So when Superboy is um, sharing that, he feels like it might be clear. Alana responds to him in Rainian, while Adam Strange, who is finally able to escape the... Uh, 
the the police on well quick thing i just wanted to i forgot to mention so the planet is called ranagar um do with that information what you must but if you want to find out more definitely listen back to the green lance if you wear my power episode <laughs> <laughs> It was weird. It was a weird time of placement for that, but I understand <laughs> it. Um, Adam Strange returns back to where Sardath is at, and when they start speaking, this is when Sardath starts speaking Iranian, and Adam Strange is like, great, we're heading back to the charades, I guess. <laughs> Which yeah. I kind of like because it was like a nice little fun beat. <laughs> yeah, I do like that. I, I loved this whole uh, mechanic of once McGann is knocked out or out of range, mm-hmm. the translation turns off. That yeah, it's like your Siri turning off. The battery's dead. <laughs> um, so Superboy immediately picks up um, using that Luthor intellect mm-hmm. that something has gone off uh, when he can't talk to Alana. So they go on the offensive against these mechs. Uh, Alana even uses one of those fire pools from earlier to take one out, which is a nice little callback. Um, and Connor is able to pretty easily <laughs> find <laughs> McGann and Beast Boy almost with like no effort. And um, while McGann is recovering, um, Superboy breaks his solemn oath, the oath he made to never work with monkeys, as him and Beast Boy <laughs> in gorilla form go and <laughs> fight the aliens themselves. I also want to mention Beast Boy was thrown. As a monkey, like millions of feet in the air, and was mm. fine. How tough is Beast Boy in this universe? <laughs> Most Jack character right now. <laughs> he feels no pain. <laughs> um. So while, uh, and it is fun to see Superboy and Beast Boy kind of team up in this because there is a one little fun beat where Beast Boy in gorilla form takes out a bunch of mechs and Krilletarians and Superboy shares, man, you're going to make me rethink my thoughts about monkeys just because of you, man. <laughs> I'm glad TikTok has not edited that into anything really bad. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> Keep it free, TikTok. <laughs> and while they're all doing this, um, Alana is tending to Miss Martian, who is, who Alana is not freaking out because she's noticing that they are, there's a bunch of um, Krilletarians that are coming their way. So she is able to wake up Miss Martian um, and she immediately activates. She asks what's going on. And she's like, she shares that um, Superboy and Beast Boy have gone off to take down the Curl Taylor solo. And this causes Miss Martian to just stop talking as she grabs uh, one of the Curl Italians using her psychic powers and puts him into a catatonic state by getting all the information she can from it. Yeah, it's kind of like a Yu-Gi-Oh mind crush, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, he's pretty—he's just drooling. He's—he's he's, doesn't seem responsive at all. And Superboy immediately picks up on this, you know, to the extent that you feel like he has seen this before. Um, and McGann realizes before Superboy can really protest any further, she reveals that she has solved the mystery of what happened during that sixteen hours which is a cliffhanger that will be answered in Alienated. Mm-hmm. We open up to our next scene where um, in a very, very, not quite disguised, but more just like stealth tech for the streets where Jaime Reyes and Karen Beecher are Blue Beetle and um, Bumblebee. They've entered Bibbo's diner and Bibbo Babowski, he is watching one of G. Gordon Goffrey's rants of, of Fox News once again. And this is when you knew because you know <laughs> that Bibble would not stand to have that man on his TV screen. 
<laughs> because they immediately start chasing after him as we learned from overhearing um triple g i was just gonna call him that real quick um apparently the justice league has created some kind of technology that's able to tell whether or not a person is an alien and it's clear that Bibbo is one because my man is running around like he's jetly and he didn't kill like 15 versions of his one. Um, <laughs> it They were able to catch up to him mainly because the real Bibbo Bobowski runs a fade on this imposter. Yo, induct him into the Justice League. <laughs> I know the competition is tight this week for most Jack, but mm-hmm. I, I think Bibbo has to, has to be thrown in the running because yeah. he lays him out with one punch. Um, he is the one punch. Man. He is the one punch. Man. <laughs> <laughs> um, unfortunately, um, the alien is able to hop out of the body he stole, um, and he gets away. But he, despite the setback, they have taken care of one more alien, one less to worry about, and we find out the alien is retreating to Black Manta, which. This is the first time I I personally questioned in the season when I first watched this of Black Manta underwater. Wait a minute. Where's Aqualad and all this? Where's Artemis? Where's Kid Flash? All answers to be solved. But um, for right now, we are back to the Justice League again, talking about what's gone down. And uh, they finally reveal what happened during that 16 hours that the League Six of the leaguers were gone. Yeah. So once again, at the season finale of season one, so back in um, I don't know, like December twenty fifth, year zero, Vandal Savage using Starotech, um, not quite mind control, but it is what it is. That's apparently I don't know. He he he's weird with that thing. Um, Vandal Savage sent these six leaguers to the planet called Rimbor, where for sixteen hours they just laid waste to the entire planet. And because of that, the Curlitanians heard about this incident and decided to invade Earth as retaliation because they were like, you know what? If you're going to mess with our alien plans, we're going to mess with yours. And, you know, it's nice because we do get a chance to see. It's just like, how is it that no one knew about this? And Jon Stewart shares that he didn't know because um, even though he's a space cop, uh, Rimbor isn't in his sector. So it doesn't make any sense for him to even get that information but he's planning to head to Oa to find out if he can, what he can do with the Guardians of the Universe to see if there's anything that he can do to help the Justice League. And at the same time, we also learned that the Justice League, apparently every single member is not allowed on any other alien world. Honestly, that's a good policy. Mm-hmm. I'm not even going to lie. That's, that's, yeah, keep Earth out. Yeah. <laughs> keep Earth out of everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's honestly the best. Um, So after the interrogation, they decide to do this recon mission um, where the Bat family, which is cool. It's mainly the Bat family plus Aquaman, Lagoon Boy are along for the ride as well. They're going to go and check out this base. It is at this point we also get the, the big reveal that Aqualad is now working for Black Manta. We don't know why. But we just know that he is, he has turned heel. Um, He's working for um, this evil underwater dude that you may have first seen in Aquaman 2018. And that's fine. That's a good representation. Uh, 
<laughs> yes, very, very good. Very good. <laughs> As Harley Quinn says, we are the black villains. <laughs> uh, and because Aqualad knows his team very well, as soon as the Bat Family infiltrates, he knows the telltale signs and begins to prepare for intruders. And at this point, I want to mention two things. One, does this mean this Bat Family setup? Does this mean Jason Todd's already dead? Like in that five years, he's dead <laughs> and there's a new Robin? So, um,. <laughs> This is a spoiler for the rest of the show, I think. Uh, yes, Jason Todd does exist in this universe, and he did die sometime in between the events of um, Old Acquaintance and this episode. <laughs> and it was effectively replaced by Tim Trey. Yeah, I guess, like, in theory... No, because Dick was doing missions with Batman, so I guess, like... Wow, that happened quickly. <laughs> yeah. My guess is it's like probably Dick was with Batman maybe up until year two of him being on the team. Um, and then after that, it may be like, I don't know, let's say like maybe six months. We'll give it six months. Batman found Jason Todd. Jason Todd died probably one month later. <laughs> um and then there's, and then we got Tim Drake. Though I do think, just from my own kind of like knowledge recently, um, he Jason Todd must have been a part of the team long enough to have been known by the rest of the league of the of the actual Young Justice team because he does have a statue inside the um inside the a memorial statue inside the building. Yeah! Wow, that was a really short Robin career. <laughs> <laughs> my man was there for one school day. <laughs> yeah. Batman moves on quick, guys. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> so now that Aqualad has sounded the alarm, uh, everyone jumps into action. So at one point in this battle, I have to mention Batman like disables a plat, like breaks a platform and blows it up and sends people falling. Mm -hmm. He's sure he didn't kill anybody doing that because <laughs> that's a that's like blunt force trauma from a high place, like. They I were feel like for reinforced suits, but he's probably got like if I don't, he's probably like if I don't punch them or shoot a gun, I didn't kill them. That's probably what his laws are. <laughs> like, if you die by extension, that's probably what it is. <laughs> I didn't kill them. They just fell. It's like, but how did they fall? But how did they fall, Batman? <laughs> but luckily, he's not killing alone because Superboy and Superman are coming in. They do a quadruple combo finish. I, and I do like this moment because it just very quickly communicates that they have greatly improved their relationship. Yeah. Um, so that that's a good to see. We get another scene with Cassie and Wonder Girl coming in and fangirling over Wonder Woman in the middle of the battle, which she even calls her out on, mm -hmm. saying, like, please don't do that. And although we'd love for Aqualad to hang out with Aquaman, it's not to be because we finally find out why he's so angry. Real quick thing before that. Oh, yeah. Um, with Wonder Woman, when she sees Cassie, um, when the girl do a really great move, she does let out a little smile. So I did appreciate that. Like you said, this is a great moment for mentor and mentees to kind of recognize and appreciate their work. Unfortunately, um, though, as we said, Aquaman does not appreciate the work of his former mentee, Aqualad, who is dressed up exactly like Black Manta, 
Um, and in a move where Aquaman and Lagoon Boy are able to knock off his helmet, uh, Aquaman shares, you know, he had heard from Nightwing that this is the journey that um, Calder had gone on, but he couldn't believe it until today once he had seen it with his own eyes. And Calder goes off because he says that, you know, his entire life has been nothing but secrets and lies and and death and loss because, you know, they're so accustomed to putting kids into war that even um, it led to the loss of his love, Tula. Tula, unfortunately, dies between um, between season one and season two here. And this is where we also he also reveals that the lies that he's heard was that Aquaman had hid the identity of his true father from him all along and that his father is Black Manta. Why, why is why has it got to be? Well, is he a good dad? You're right. Is he a bad dad? What, is he a good Black father? I, I can't tell because he does get his son involved in the family business, you know? Uh, right. You know, he looked out for him. And, and you know, I, you could probably tell from the lineup of the hair they were probably related. Um <laughs> Let's be honest with ourselves. It was a very <laughs> similar hairstyle since season one. <laughs> but um, this leads to Nightwing trying to intervene because he tries to tell Aqualad that, or his old old friend, that like you know, Tula knew what the co- what the risks were being a hero at this age. But uh, Calder doesn't want to hear it as he grabs back his um, his helmet and sets off an energy blast to send everybody flying. Yeah, and I oh man, I I love this uh this runaway sequence where Aqualad's trying to get away because he hits Superboy with this electric combo. Mm-hmm. I need them to put Aqualad in the next Injustice game just so I can do this combo on Superboy. <laughs> like that, that's only on Superboy. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I'll I'll put down the game right after. Um, but so Aqualad does get away. Because he reveals that there are bombs about to go off and he there's a limited amount of time to save the aliens and I guess the other henchmen that were inside because it wasn't just aliens. It was no, a, no. a lot of unconscious henchmen. <laughs> so in character, Batman, Nightwing calls it, everybody get out immediately. And Superman is the one that saved, stays behind. And in a really, really unexpected striking scene, Superman is pleading with these aliens, please leave this building. Please save yourselves. We we just don't we don't want to hurt you. We just want to get you out of here. But ultimately they attack him and the base blows up. Um Superman takes a hit to the face. Um not as bulky as Beast Boy taking an explosion <laughs> to the face, but close. Um and Aquaman gets to do something cuz he gets to save Superman from the water. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna be talking about that for like years you can be like yo remember that time i pulled you out the water my man like you were you, you, you still good you still <laughs> you have your floaties that day i'm superman hey i just i just love you. I just love you. Yeah. superman just flies him into the sun right then and there <laughs> so now that um everybody's come back together they're in the bio ship superman's knocked out um superboy tries to tend to superman where as wonder woman shares that you know unfortunately they recognized that he was unable to save um save day 
uh, also another quick little beat was the that Miss Martian and Martian Manhunter were in the ship, um, but were disguised as Krillitaean, so it freaked everybody out, and they were like, "Oh wait, we forgot that one thing." Um, <laughs> I just thought it was funny because it was like, "Why were you as? Why were you Krillitaeans? Like you had those that served no purpose." They're just trying it out just in case. <laughs> so, um, and Superboy, as he's like tending to Superman, he also shares that he knows that Superman's going to be upset that he wasn't able to save the rest of the Croteans. Um, this leads into members of the team questioning, like, how can Calder betray them like this? Like, are we sure that was actually Calder? This was it some kind of mind control? Um, so. He, this is where it leads into another quick question where Nightwing is just saying, I don't know what happened there. I don't know if he set that bomb. But one thing I do know is that the bomb was alien, but it wasn't proletarian. Um, And this leads into us finding out a bit more about Calder working alongside his father now, where his father, first off, office is dope. Um, oh, yes. I was going to say, yo, <laughs> bad, good black art everywhere. Wait, he puts his mask like he keeps his mask on like a yep. Black Panther statue. Yep, or something. Yep. <laughs> like, we see you, we see you. Doing it for the culture, I see you. <laughs> <laughs> and this leads into Calder. Um, after reporting to his father, he his father decides to take him to the next room where they uh, they meet the light. Uh, Vandal Savage is still in charge. And Amanta is officially inducted as a member of the Light, <laughs> replacing Ocean Master. Who the, dis- <laughs> the disgraced. The disgraced. Like, what did you have to do to lose your job amongst villains? Like, did you <laughs> save somebody? Like, what? <laughs> well, ask maybe you pull the Dalai Lama. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> <God> too soon. <laughs> It'll be a few weeks after it at this point. <laughs> Uh, so now we jump on ahead. Um, weeks have passed now. We're um, on January 26th, where the League, members of the League, um, I guess they finally heard back from the Guardians, where Jon Stewart has returned. He shares with them their plans of um, what they can do as their apology tour for what happened over in Boar. Yeah, and apparently it's just legal system. Um, Icon, he's an expert in intergalactic law, you know, probably... Who, who Icon was probably getting stopped between planets too much while he was flying, so he <laughs> decided to know his rights across the universe. <laughs> and he decides to take the six brainwashed leaguers with him off-world and just formally face justice. Um, I do like how Superman takes this moment to call Connor his little brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, show leaps and bounds ahead of what their relationship is. And Batman just leaves Gotham alone. So good luck, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Riddler is going to blow up the city tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> yeah. and, and that's pretty much where we leave it. <laughs> so now as we go prep to head over to Gotham to try to tell them to leave, like Superman tried with the Krolitaeans, <laughs> we'll leave you with this podcast from the Forgotten Entertainment family that you should be listening to the next time you're not listening to us. Attention, culture consumers. Join me, the queen of queries, Sarah O'Connor, and my band of nerdy knights. Colleen McMillan. Flo Siegel. And Anders Drew. 
on Bohemian Geek Studies, where we take extremely dorky dives into our favorite fandoms, especially that Star Wars galaxy far, far away. Listen each week as we examine the stories that mean so much to us. Bohemian Geek Studies is available wherever you get your podcasts and is proudly part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. So now that you heard from Forgotten Entertainment, we're coming back here to our set of episodes for Out of This World. Out of the batch we had here for our season premiere of season two of Young Justice Invasion, uh, which episode do you feel gets the most whelmed award? Yeah, I think uh, for me, it's this one's a pretty easy one for me. I think it's alienated. I think uh, the premiere, there was a lot to catch up on, mm-hmm. um, head spinning a little bit. And again, I don't know what it is with these Superboy episodes, but every time I just feel like they rush, they try to put too much plot in every Superboy episode they attempt. So I think alienated is where it all came together. We we knew kind of knew the new crew. We knew what was at stake. We get some really great character moments. Again, that Superman speech to these aliens who he doesn't know, doesn't care. And they weren't particularly caring about like saving before this point to see him really try and fail to save this person is really, really emotional. I really caught me off guard about this, uh, this plot point. And of course, setting up, uh, Calder as this villain is also game changing. So yeah, there's a lot of great stuff this episode does. It builds on things from other seasons. Uh, so all, all, all in all, I think Alienated is the strongest start to the season. How are you feeling? I agree, man. I um I felt the same way. I felt like together, definitely, this is a strong batch of episodes. But um, Alienated just just literally blew it out of the water for the rest of them because again, you know. I think that if we had reversed the order on some of these stories, like um, I think that the whole team team up of Tim Blue Beetle and Lagoon Boy would have served better as like a, maybe like an episode three or four of the season. Yeah. Cause it's just like, you know, we want to know how was happened in this five year time jump. Like um, is Batman finally having aches and pains is Billy Batson actually about to start driving a car. Like, those kinds of things are what we want from a time from a five year time jump, and to set up that is just like this team is able to infiltrate something at this level, um, almost like as if they're trying to set it up that like they're like they are the um the new original three that kind of started off in season one with like Robin, Aqualad, and um and Kid Flash. It they don't have the same, I don't know, they didn't have the same charisma to me, um. And then with the second episode, again, I think that because they, I agree, they threw in so much in trying to understand, like, I feel like the, the, um, it would have been nice if we actually didn't, it was, it was nice to hear, but I also wish we kind of waited on the reveal of one, what was one of the reasons why um, Superboy and Miss Martian decided to split, split ways. Like, I liked the conversation with Alana, but I don't know if it served right in that moment quite so much like i kind of wish it was a little later or even if it was just like he shared like we he he says he shares to say okay here's how it starts and then we cut back to them it's just like she's like wow that's a crazy story so we don't then we don't even know what was shared i feel like it was kind of nice to have a bit of a slow burn with that reveal yeah um but also it does question things like is beast boy still afraid of water everywhere he goes i mean he seemed pretty fine in the sewer like, right yeah so when does this trigger like 
yeah, it's a it was a weird it was a weird way to introduce those plot lines. So I, I especially, you know, because Peace Boy becomes such a major character later on. It's yeah. Yeah, it would have been that would have been a good place for a flashback. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, alienated, um, most whelmed. It really helps set the stage, I think, also because we get a sense of like what the Crotans are. There's also a big um there's another big secret now, thankfully. Like we kind of have an idea of who the light was and who's operating, but then we hear the Crotans are talking about this competitor who is on world with them and they don't know who it is. So it's nice to know that like there's still that bit of an element of like there is a single character mystery that we can play around with this season. You had asked about it earlier, so thankfully, with some comic book knowledge, I'm able to provide your answers. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Finally, how did how did a uh, Lagoon Boy get so jacked? We're finally the answers here. <laughs> All right. So we are, as I mentioned before in our last season, um, Greg Weissman alongside a bunch of um, writers and illustrators, were able to put together 25 um, comics for the Young Justice series in its original run. Today, I'll be talking about issues 20 to 25 of Greg Weissman's Young Justice series. <laughs> Jeez. Yes. Yeah, so unfortunately, at the end of this, this story, that was it. Um, there were no more Young Justice comics that came out. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, uh, because it was unfortunately at this point where the... Um, the comic got canceled by DC Comics. Um, and as we know, it coincided a lot with the fact that the show was canceled for, at the end of season two as well, before coming back for season three, much many, many years later. But I feel like this story has moments in which it helps bridge the gaps between what was happening at the end of season one to now by taking us to December 1st at two points of history. We have... Um, which I'll now be calling moving forward year zero, which is right after our agendas episode, uh, but a little bit before the Artemis reveal. So agendas was when um, Superboy found out about the match clone, found out about his dad, his other dad being um, Lex Luthor and the, and him also getting the shields. And the other point in history is year five, which is also happening on December 1st, but right before our season two premiere here. So it's about five years later. Okay, okay, end game, end game time skip. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, crap, it is. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> uh, so the central point of December 1st is that it's Dick Grayson's birthday in both timelines. I mean, because it's the same timeline. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, so both scenes, we begin with like Robin or Dick getting wished a happy birthday. In year zero, he's turning 14 and they're preparing for a party for him in Wayne Manor. Um, Artemis is arriving with another side DC Young Justice character who we met back when um, Artemis first started going to school at Gotham Academy named Bet. Um, and the party that they're going to is crazy. Of course, it's in a mansion. Um, Ro- Dick is talking about how he's so excited for people to be there. Um, the other thing that happens is that apparently Alfred never orders pizza. He actually makes pizza and puts it in a pizza box. What? What yeah. if incredibly strange detail i hope this is canon for the uh batman versus tmnt too oh my god (laughs) he just pays people along the way they're not doing any work except just putting up appearances um and at the same time bruce wayne reveals that he's actually staying to hang out with um for the party so dick is very happy about that but at the same time we see a time jump to year five where um 
Dick is getting in wish the happy birthday. Uh, he's on a video call with Artemis and Wally. And they quickly say that it's his 19th birthday. And it's already off to a great start because the same character, Bet, five years later, is coming out of his room, implying that they spent the night together. Robin's room? Yeah. Yeah. At the age of 19, Rob, Dick at Grayson was able to pull Bet when she's like 21. Look at this guy. <laughs> Look at this guy, Dick Grayson. <laughs> the res on this man. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of, as he heads on over to Mount Justice, um, he's relaying the mission to the rest of his team, uh, which we get a chance to see the new members. And uh, we also see that Rocket and Satana, who was mentioned in the show, they are now full league members. But they decide to stop by to wish Nightwing a happy birthday and they both give him a kiss, which prompts a joke that pays that happens three seasons, sorry, two seasons and 10 years later, when both of them ask, how is it possible that he's still friends with his exes? And he says, it's his superpower. <laughs> it's about time someone in the Bat family has one. <laughs> so they continue on with the mission debrief. And I do like this because it is um, more or less the same mission happening five years apart. So we learn that the team's going to be split up. So one part of them is going to be going to recruit a new member. And the other team is going to be protecting Noor Hajabadi, who was the target now, um, now that Korak has been taken over a little bit. Um, and unfortunately, her father was assassinated. And this prompts this like five-year flashback when we head on back to Logan Sanctuary. Garfield and Marie Logan are visited by Megan and Connor because they are there to protect um, her father, who is named um, Suman Hajravadi, President Suman Hajravadi, uh, when he's trying to give a press conference to once again state that Queen B is up to no good. I feel like that should just be the default assumption for Queen B. <laughs> <laughs> um, so while they're there, Jimmy Olsen and Clark Kent also appear on the sanctuary. Um, they're talking with... Um, with Marie to get some more information about what's going on. It's a great little moment because this is where it does pay off with that whole adopted brother, adopted sister, because in that moment, as Marie is introducing um, everybody to the reporter, she shares that this is my son Garfield and my daughter McGann, who uh, McGann didn't know that, that that's what she was going to do. So in that moment, she realizes that she now has an adoptive mother here on earth. Mm. Um. And then at the same time, as they're about to, she's about to introduce Clark. Um, she's about to introduce him as Mr. Kent, but he quickly jumps in and just says, call, just call me Clark. I'm here to investigate what's going on, to report back. And it's a nice little beat because we realize that um, it's at this moment still where Clark hasn't had that conversation that he had with Connor during that battle. So he doesn't know anything about his name. Um, so that's just why he quickly jumps in to make sure not to, throw off the fact that his last name is also Kent, like Connors, to give them the idea that they are one and the same. Just a common last name, guys. Right. Nothing suspicious here. <laughs> um, so then we get on back to the mission, uh, to the other mission, Nightwing and Wonder Girl go on this mission because the person they're going to recruit is Blue Beetle. Uh, they meet him at school, they talk with him, but at the same time that they start to have this conversation, Metropolis and the press conference gets attacked in this is in year five as Metropolis gets taken over in a dome. 
And while this is happening, a lot of the heavy hitters, such as Superboy, Superman, Captain Adam, Shazam, Wonder Woman, Mammoth, Major Force, Devastation, Blockbuster, Black Adam, the list goes on and on. If you're big and jacked, you got taken. They were taken <laughs> and teleported onto a random ship on the moon. Sure. <laughs> so, obviously, once you hear about a city being put in a dome, we immediately know it's Brainiac. So this is our introduction to the Brainiac within the Young Justice universe. Honestly, he looks like a skinny version of the one that we saw in um, Superman Unbound. So I made him look very much like Invader Zim. <laughs> Where was Dib? Where was Dib backing him up? <laughs> and then we also learned that the there's another alien. Uh, this is an alien by the name of Killstar. He's a leader of an enslaved alien race who's going around to different worlds and collecting weapons, uh, which are what he's calling individuals with power to help save his people. Um, and I'll wrap that thing about Killstar really quickly because this is actually um, a creation by Greg Weissman, not from this Young Justice comic, but back when he wrote Captain Adam number 46 in October 1990. It is more or less the same story. Okay. Just trying to work in a character, I guess, yeah. that you, you really love. So I stopped trying to make Killstar happen. <laughs> uh, basically, they were able to take down Killstar. He explained the situation that he needed help. So characters like Major Force, who we met back in like the uh, Batman, Superman, Batman, Public Enemies, they decide to to roll with Killstar because he promises them glorious battle once he conquers different galaxies where his planet is located. As you do, right? Of course. Um, then back on Earth in Year Five, Brainiac is trying to trick Metropolis because he believes that Earth is doomed. Um, so the heroes are able to stop him and defeat him. But literally, all that's going on, and that doesn't even feel like the main plot point of the comic. <laughs> okay. What, what else could be going on here? <laughs> so, as you know, uh, Wonder Girl and Nightwing went to go recruit Blue Beetle, which they do. Of course, the major thing that they do share is that his parents already know that he's Blue Beetle because they already talked with his parents and shared what was happening. Um, because in order to be a part of the team, as a minor, you need consent from your parents. I do appreciate they have a system for that. <laughs> um, the other thing that happens is Batgirl is helping to run logistics alongside Mal, who we now know is the operations director for the for Mount <laughs> Justice. So shout out to Black representation in the senior leadership team. <laughs> yeah, what a glow up from being a generic high school bully. <laughs> Uh, so Batgirl's helping to run logistic while she's inside the dome, but this unfortunately at leads into her fighting against Match, that Superboy clone that we met in Agendas. Um, because oh, of, yeah, it was that's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> she's able to win very similarly to how Superboy took down Clayface. She shoots a like foot concrete pellet into his mouth, um, and he only escaped because the dome, which she find out is actually a sphere all around Metropolis, breaks through his containment. Okay, and then Shazam stole this and made it a plot. <laughs> Surprisingly, very little Shazam in this one. I'm actually thinking about that now. <laughs> oh, I know he was trapped on the um, he was trapped on the moon with Killstar. Uh, and the that's work. what kept him legally safe. <laughs> uh, and then McGann and Lagan's relationship starts to form in the comics here. So as of like December first or so is when they kind of got together. And this is mainly because McGann, after seeing Connor disappear uh she decided to go into the bio ship which Lagan Lagan was um 
uh, was operating. And while they were traveling to keep to find and get to the get to Killstar and the rest of the heroes, this is where they both start talking about the bond over being the only ones on the team that can't really blend into humanity because of their features. Mm. I did not believe this argument from McGann, but I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but again, this isn't even the main mission. Oh my God. This <laughs> The main mission is that um, the fact that they have to protect both Harjavadis across time. Um, so in right. year zero, Superboy and Miss Martian arrive at the press conference across paths with Clark and Jimmy. Uh, Miss Martian psychically links up with Clark to let him know that she knows that he's Superman because she can see um, so many features of her boyfriend in her in his face. And she's pleading with him to try to connect with Connor because you know Connor doesn't realize that you know, Super Clark is Superman because apparent weird little detail. Connor doesn't have mirrors in his room, so he never knows what he looks like. Oh, and I guess he's never looked. Right. <laughs> um, but this is while Clark is pleading with her not to reveal his identity, which she says she won't. But at this at that moment, Deadshot appears because he's an assassin who's been allegedly hired by Queen Bee to take out President Ramon Hadravati. So yeah, just everybody's in this, huh? Yep, yep. <laughs> uh, Ruman's brother, Suman, uh, takes the bullet, forcing him to be hospitalized, and the team sets their sights on Deadshot. Superboy uses one of his shields and mercilessly beats him up to the point where Superman has to intervene. And once again, because of that, he distrusts Connor as he flies Deadshot to the nearest hospital. Well, I guess that's nice. That's more than Batman does. <laughs> he just leaves you there and just like, we hope for the best. <laughs> Take him to Arkham. Uh, he's bleeding. Take him to Arkham. <laughs> uh, all right. We're, here's a new supervillain, guys. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, in year five, once again, they're trying to protect his daughter, Noor Hajavadi, who um, is trying to pick up her father's mantle after he was assassinated between those events and now. Uh, Beast Boy and Bumblebee are the ones in charge of this part of the mission. So they take her and Ruman over to um, Bibble's diner to protect them because they figure that no one's going to look for them there. And they're thinking that them being encapsulated in this dome is a plot to distract them to finally, by Queen Bee, to finally take her out. Um, this is where, during the time, during the logistical call, Batgirl asked for the two of them to go investigate the device that was causing them to be encapsulated in this dome. So while they did that, this is where it's revealed that back when... Uh, Ruman was shot um, during that first assassination attempt, Queen Bee went to him and was able to mind control him and sway him over to her side. So he reveals the location of where they are. So this is where um, she orchestrates the kidnapping and the body switching of Noor Hajravati and Bibbo. Okay, so this is all about Bibbo. Right. <laughs> this this is what the story was really about. The biggest character on the show. <laughs> um. So everybody returns after the shield goes down. Uh, there's a qu quick little joke that because um Brainiac has started the decrease the um shrinking process, uh majority of the people were about like twenty percent shorter than they originally were, until they were able to fix that back. All right. Why not throw it in? <laughs> Uh, so Beast Boy returns, he sees everybody is safe, and the reason why he was going so crazy over trying to make sure that uh, Noor Hajavadi was safe 
was because this is where we get the reveal of what happened to his mom where queen during this during um on january 16th so a couple weeks after that failed assassination attempt queen bee was able to get to um uh marie in the car sway her to her thinking and queen bee forced marie to drive off of cliff which is the scene that we saw in our earthlings episode ah okay okay yeah i do agree it should have been something where we could have seen like drawn out or like you know stop motion uh, not stop, uh, just like the panels with the voiceover of him recounting what happened instead of mcgann kind of going into his mind to figure out what's happening but um so i'm kind of glad that we got a chance to see what exactly happened here yeah it's just she was so such an important character to megan it just it made just made sense to me that they would have included this mm-hmm. um but yeah, now we fully wrap up the story. The world's saved. Brainiac's been taken care of. Killstar is going to go away to for glorious battle. Um, so, you know, the last things that we have to do is just finally wish Dick Grayson another happy birthday. Um, so in year zero on December 1st, uh, he's playing spin the bottle in his in Wayne Manor that leads to seven minutes in heaven with it landing on Barbara Gordon. Oh my goodness, man. This Riz is out of control. <laughs> Lock him up, Batman. Do you have some kryptonite for this? So while he's in while they're in the closet, he's scared to make a move. And he also doesn't want to push her to do so. Um, this is where she's just like, forget it, and just goes up and kisses him. Even reverse, it still works. <laughs> and then five years later, as Dick is heading back home from this entire mission, you know, it's a success all around. Um, Barbara is waiting for him at his doorstep to his apartment, and she's there to celebrate his birthday because they didn't get a chance to do so since they were trapped. She was trapped in the dome, and he's you know he's asking, it's like why he tells her that, hey, I love you. Why is it that you don't want to be together? And she says, because as Wally would say, you're a dog, and you're not at my level yet. But I'm oh. happy to spend time with you. At not at her level, damn. All right, all right, Barbara. So yeah, that's how our Young Justice comics ended on their initial run before coming back for two issues and uh, for season three Outsiders and then eventually to wrap it up after with Targets after the um, season four cancellation. <laughs> well, I'm glad this run ended with Dick getting Barbara. That's what I was really concerned yeah, about and I'm glad they wrapped that up. <laughs> Yeah, so that there wraps up our, um, you know, wraps up our comic for Young Justice, while also introduces us to this whole new world that's going to be coming from the Young Justice series. Uh, so stay tuned. We have so much more to come, uh, especially because of the fact of like we have so many new character introductions and origins that might pay off very well in the future in the live action world, or you know, should be inspirations for the live action world. <laughs> So while so prepare for a, an invasion of young justice kind uh, and remember to take care of yourselves and remember that if you're going to celebrate your birthday try to have as much riz as Dick Grayson has in the comics <laughs> and if you're trying to steal anything from Bibbo at the suit at his store get ready for him to run that fade on you boy <laughs> I'm gonna knock you out <laughs> you're gonna get punched until five years later <laughs> oh.
Thanks again for listening. Yet Another DC Animated Podcast is a proud part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. If you liked what you heard, leave a review and share us with a friend. Also, be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts and on social media at YADC Animated Pod.